Noah, he told Noah and his family, you will be spared if you obey my instructions to build a boat. And as we all know, it wasn't a small boat. It wasn't a little canoe or a little rowboat. Or it wasn't even a large sailboat. It was a big boat. And it held all kinds of animals and Noah and his family. And I'm sure Noah had questions. God, what is this rain thing? What, what is this going to be like? How, how do I even build a boat? I don't know anything about building boats. And how in the world am I going to get all those animals on board? I don't know how to, how to call all these animals and get them to, to get where I need them to be on this boat. What a crazy request. What a strange request. But God gave him wisdom and understanding, that the, the wisdom and understanding that he needed to complete this task, to do what God asked him to do. And so he went and bought the nails, and he bought the lumber, and he started building. And people from the community were probably very confused as well. Like, no, what are you doing? What, what are you even doing? What makes you think water is going to fall from the sky? We have never seen that before. And you know, Noah, you're the only one here that looks like that's doing this. You're, the, oh, you're standing alone. There's, I mean, your sons are helping you, but your guys are just, that's it. There's just you. Did you really hear from God? Could this really be from God? But he didn't let the separation from what the world was doing stop him from obeying the voice of God and doing what the strange request that God had asked of him. He continued to build the boat to the specifications just like God had asked of him. And as he worked, I'm sure he told the people, judgment's coming. Get prepared. Repent. Stop sinning. Stop displeasing God. These are the things that are against God's word. Get right with God. The judgment is coming. Hebrews eleven seven says that by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He acted on what God asked him to do. And as long as the door was open, Others could probably have entered and, and repented of their ways and come in. But we know that when God shut the door and the rain began to fall, it was just Noah and his family and a few animals that were safe inside the ark. God asked a strange thing of Noah, but he was willing to stand out in a crowd. He was willing to look different, to act different, to talk different. He was willing to be different and obey the voice of the Lord and do what God asked him to do. It was kind of blind obedience, really, because no rain. We don't know what rain is. We don't, I've never seen a boat like this. I don't know how that, all of the questions Noah had. It was blind obedience. And, you know, God, I, I don't know what this is all about, but I'm going to do what you asked me to do. And for us today, we can say, well, I'm not seeing a response when I witness. Or I've asked all these people to come to church, and they're just not coming with me. Or I just can't get anybody to, to listen when I want to share my testimony. But you know what? Just keep sharing. Keep inviting. Keep asking. Keep sharing God's love with people. Somewhere along the line, it's going to grow seed. And it's going to come. It's, it's not going to return void. That is for sure. Continue to be obedient when God leads you into these places to, to share his word. Another person that had a strange request was Sarah. 
Sarah one day was probably going about her morning chores, you know, cleaning up the kitchen from breakfast, preparing for the day. She might have been singing a little song as she swept the floor, thanking the Lord for his blessings and for blessing her and her husband and and just thankful for the wonderful home that they had and and this husband who loved her. And there might have been a little prayer request there in the back of her mind that, God, I really would like a child. I I would like to be a mom. And suddenly her peace was shattered. Abraham comes bursting through the door. He's all excited. The Lord had appeared to him and had given him some wonderful promises. That's great. And Sarah, I need you to pack up all our stuff. We got to move. We're going to pack up all our possessions. We're going to sell the house, pack the tent, whatever it was. And we're going on a journey. And Sarah's like, okay, where are we going? I don't know yet. We're just going to follow the Lord. We're just going to let God lead us. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how Sarah responded to this strange request that she should just pack up the house. We're going to move. We're going to go on a journey. But she do, we do know that she was obedient. She was obedient to her husband, and she trusted him that he had heard from God. And something's good's going to happen out of it. I don't know what it is. It's a strange request because we're comfortable here. We have a nice home. We have, you know, all of these things, but we're going to move. And no doubt she had some misgivings of her own. She couldn't call the moving company. She couldn't call the U-Haul. <laughs> it wasn't a small task to set up, to, to set out to pack up all their belongings and have no destination inside. I, I can't do that. That would be hard to say, okay, we're moving. If Mike came home one day and said, okay, the Lord said we're moving. Okay, where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to drive aimlessly until, not aimlessly, because the Lord's going to direct us, but we're just going to drive until we figure it out, until the Lord tells us to stop. Okay, that would be really hard. I, I don't know that I could take that really, I mean, I would obey, but it would be hard. It would be hard. So it was a strange request to ask them to move and leave behind everything they had known, set out on a hard, unknown journey. And I'm sure that over the next year, Sarah's mind was filled with questions about how were they ever going to set up a home and have children of prom- that God had promised. There was some sort of promise there about nations and sand, and stars, and the number of them all. You can't count them. There was, there was a promise there, and how are we going to do that if we're just traveling without a destination? And as the years passed, God kept renewing his promise with them, though. He never failed them. He was always directing them, and he had a plan, and it involved Sarah, and it was going to be greater than anything she'd ever imagined. And when it looked like all hope was gone, too old to have children, Isaac was born. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. We may not understand the direction. We may not understand the timing, the delay. We may not understand what's going on around us, why we're headed in this way, why God's directing us. It doesn't make sense, Lord. I don't know what's happening in the spirit, but I'm going to follow you. If we're obedient, it's our responsibility to let his spirit guide us. And we can trust his timing. He'll be faithful. Hebrews 11.11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, 
and when delivered of a child and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. The Amplified said because she considered him who had given her the promise to be reliable and true to his word. I think we can consider God faithful and true and reliable to his word when he gives us a promise. God, where am I going today? God, who do you want me to talk to today? Well, God, I don't need anything at that particular store, but if that's where you want me to go, I'll, I'll go in there. I'll, I'll go to that restaurant. I'll go to that gas station. It's out of my way, Lord, but I'll go because you're directing my steps. He gives us strength and ability to do whatever he asks, even though it's a strange request sometimes, and it feels like maybe we're going off course. Why do I have to go that way to go this way, Lord? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But if we obey and take the step of faith, we can trust him to work things for our good better than we could have ever imagined. Now, this couple, this couple has another strange request. Um, this one was made of Abraham. Um, they finally had their child of promise. And can you imagine? New mom and dad waited for a long time for this baby, for Isaac to be born. And all the long years of waiting, all the travel, all the journey, all the, all the questions had been worth it. God had kept his promise, and they watched Isaac grow into a teenager teenager, and they still were happy. God had a promise that he had given them. And this was their pride and joy. And they looked forward to a future when maybe Isaac would have a family of his own, and they could see and understand maybe a little clearer how this promise was going to come, come through. And unexpectedly, God appears to Abraham with a strange request. Genesis 22, 2, God tested the faith and commitment of Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And God said, take now your son, your only son of promise, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham got up early in the morning is the start of the next verse. I know there had to have been questions in Abraham's mind. Maybe I heard wrong. Maybe I'm supposed to take a ram. Maybe I'm supposed to take a lamb or, or some sort of sacrifice, some other kind of offering. God, did I hear you correctly? How can I take my only son that you promised and offer him as a sacrifice? But Abraham had this lifelong faith and trust in God. And without delay and hesitation, so Abraham got up early the next morning. He didn't wait. He got up early and prepared for the journey. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham's heart must have been heavy as he journeyed at the base of the mountain. He left, they left the servants. 
telling him to wait because he and Isaac were going to go up to the mountain to worship. To worship. Abraham was old. Isaac was young. and No doubt he could have overpowered his father, but he submitted. He submitted. Abraham's faith was strong because he told his servants, we will come again. We will come again. He had complete trust that if God allowed him to sacrifice his son, then he would raise him up again. He said God would raise him up even from the dead. How else could he gain the promises of a great nation if Isaac wasn't raised to life? And at the last moment, as Abraham lifted the knife, raised the knife, God spoke again and revealed a ram in the thicket. Abraham's greatest possession, he was asked to put on the altar. To give it back to God, to give Isaac back to God. God may ask us to place things on the altar that are important to us. Our greatest possessions, our greatest achievements, our greatest accomplishments. Things that we think are very valuable. He may ask for them. Do you hold them? Or do you let them go? Things we elevate more than we should. Things like that can be defined as an idol. And as we've just recently learned through the Ten Commandments, we should not have any other gods or idols or anything that takes the place of God. Nothing should take his place. God gave everything for us. And he asks nothing less of us, total surrender of our dreams, our will, our plans, our possessions. It's all his anyway. He has just blessed us with it so that we can give back. And just as God had a redemption plan for Abraham and Isaac that day, which was a ram, he has a plan for us. When we give him everything, everything, in return, he gives us greater better, more than we could have ever imagined. Amen. Another person that had a strange request was Joshua. Joshua. The children of Israel had crossed into the Jordan River and had set up their camp according to the instructions that the Lord had shown Moses. And Joshua, Moses had passed away. Joshua is now the leader. And it was time for them to begin to possess the land. And Jericho was the first city that they were going to attempt to take. And they had sent spies in, and the spies had kind of scoped things out. And they knew it was a pretty fortified city. It was going to be a little complicated to take. They went back and reported back to Joshua, hey, this is is what it's going to take. It's pretty tough. And so Joshua met with the Lord and asked for wisdom and direction. And God gave him some strange instructions, something he had never heard before crazy uh, plan of action for, for war. Joshua gathered the people together and explained, this is what the Lord said. We're going to take this city. Six days, we're going to march around the city once a day. What kind of battle plan is this, Lord? Six days, we're going to march around. We're going to have the armed men go, and then we're going to have the priests and the trumpets, and we're going to have the ark, and then the rest of everybody else would follow along. And this is going to be this big procession, and we're going to do this for six days. And on the seventh day, we're going to go around seven times, and you're going to be quiet. 
Don't say a word. Silent. This big old group of people is going to be quiet as they walk around these walls seven times. That's going to be a miracle all on its own. <laughs> Just going to be a miracle. Um, so, but on the seventh time, when, when they went around that seventh time, they're going to shout Give it all they got. Shout with a loud voice and, and blow their trumpets and just make a whole bunch of noise. And so the confused people of Jericho, I mean, I'm sure they were confused looking over the wall at this group of people, you know, t- walking around, marching around their, their city. What are these crazy people doing? But as the people obeyed, God gave them the victory. Obedience was required. In all of these things that I've, I've talked about so far, obedience is the key. We have to be obedient to what God asks us to do. Um, God had given Joshua this strange strategy, but they conquered the city with his help. So many times we go through trials and battles. We try to have this game plan that we think might might be the solution we might might be able to work our way out of this situation if we do this over here or that, you know. Instead, we just need to go to God and go, okay, God, what is our battle plan? What are we going to, how, how do I need to, to, what do I need to do to help conquer this situation in my life or this, in, this ev- event that's going on around me? Or how do I, what do I need to do? Because you know I can't pay this bill. What, how, how can I, you know, make the ends meet here. What can I do? Trusting in the Lord and obeying his instruction always results in victory. But our first step, go to the Lord. Seek direction. Seek his plan. Wait for his instructions. Don't move. If Don't move. Sometimes we have to be silent. Sometimes we have to hold our peace. We just have to wait. And then God will give us the instructions and the cue to move. And that's when we should move. He sees what we can't see. He knows what's going on when we don't have a clue. But if we're obedient, victory is sure to follow. Amen. Another one that I want to talk about is Gideon. Gideon. Israel was living in the part of the cycle where they were being punished by God. They had this cycle that they lived in. They would serve God with everything they had and worship him and tear down all the idols and and everything was great. And then eventually they'd fall into sin and then they'd fall into judgment and God would have to put them into into some sort of slavery or, or captivity. And then they would seek help. They would seek God's face and God would deliver them and raise them up and they would live for God. And they just did this cycle over and over. You can see it happening in the um, Old Testament. So right now they're living in this in the spot where God was punishing them because they had fallen into sin yet again. And they were being oppressed by the Midianites. And that's when we meet this unlikely war hero in Judges chapter 6. Gideon was hiding. He was hiding in the wine press. Um, He was um, thrashing wheat and should have been on the threshing floor, but instead he was hiding in a wine press um, and trying to do this job because he didn't want to be raided by the Midianites. Strong, valiant warrior there, isn't he? When the Lord appeared to Gideon, he had a strange request that Gideon, this kind of cowardly guy, was to save Israel from the Midianites. Okay, 
And Gideon's response was kind of following a logical, um, God, we're the weakest family in the whole tribe. He told God, he's like, we're the weakest family in the whole tribe. And I'm the littlest person in my family. And you've chosen me? Are you sure? (laughs) I'm the smallest one. And so if you read Judges uh, 6 and 7, there's a lot of convincing God had to go through to um, finally get Gideon to where he would be fully cooperative of the plan and surrender to God. But once he agreed, Gideon was like, okay, I got this plan. We're going we're gonna to gather all the troops we can possibly find, and we're going to go take the Midianites. And so he gathered together as many troops as he could get, 32,000 troops. And um, they were preparing to attack the Midianites. And God appears to Gideon, and he says, you have too many soldiers. Too many? 32,000? Uh, if I recall, there's like 132,000 Midianites. I mean, it was a huge number of Midianites. 32,000 was nothing in comparison to how many Midianites they were going to be fighting. And so he was like, too many soldiers. How do I have too many soldiers? And God's like, I need you to send some home. So Gideon was like, okay, if you're afraid, if you're fearful, I need you to just leave. So a whole bunch of people left. And uh, Gideon was like, okay, we can do this. God's got it. We can do this. And God says, oh, no, no, no. You still have too many, too many. And so um, he took them to a brook to drink. And the people that just like buried their head in the water and was so thirsty and they just drank, 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 drank without paying attention to their surroundings, Gideon sent them home. And they were le- he was left with the group who was on vigilant, who was paying attention to what was going on around them, who was, who was watching for the enemy and, and would take water in their hands and lap their water out like this, but constantly on guard for, are the Midianites coming? Are we going to be attacked? Not out of fear, but they were just being cautious. 300 men. Gideon went into battle with 300 men. Sometimes God tells us our plan A is not the right plan. God took his soldiers, his swords, his war strategy, his plan, Gideon's, all that stuff of Gideon, he trashed it. God said, no, we're not doing it your way. We're going to go with my way. And like Gideon, we may have doubts. God, am I the right person for this job? Can I really do this? Do you really want me to to talk to people? Do you really want me to be the one that, that goes into that situation that seems like it's a, it may be a hostile environment, but God, you want me to go in there and tell people that you love them? Are you sure that's what you want me to do? Gideon's first res- response was, how can I save Israel? That's what he said. How can I save Israel? Well, Gideon, you can't. Your plan is not going to work. You can't. But God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. And so Gideon was willing to listen to the voice of God and step out in faith. And he and his small army was able to defeat this great Midian army. Um, they ended up turning on themselves and killing each other. And they didn't, Gideon really didn't have to do too much. The, the, the battle was won because they fought themselves. <laughs> they, killed each, they killed themselves. It was the great, great victory that Gideon gets credit for because he was obedient, 
because he was willing, because he said, yes, Lord, I will go, I will do, I will answer the call. It may seem like a strange request, but God knows what's best for us. He sees our potential. We may not see the same potential in the mirror, but he sees our potential. And he wants us to move in that potential that he's created. He gave it to us. He wants us to operate in it. All the people that I've talked about tonight uh, who received these strange requests are mentioned in Hebrews 11. They're in the chapter that we call the heroes of faith or the hall of faith, hall of fame, hall of faith. Each one that is mentioned in in Hebrews chapter 11 heard the voice of God. They each received direction or, or some sort of instruction. They stepped out in faith. They obeyed the Lord and they received a great victory personal victory, a a victory for the nation of Israel. And there are many others we could mention. And as the writer of Hebrews says, what more, how much more do I need to say? For time would fail me to talk about all of these people. And and they go to list out all of the names and and events that, that they could talk about, all of these people who walked by faith. People were made strong and became unbeatable in battle, undefeatable. They obtained promises and blessings. They were delivered from death sentences. Um, There were others who were persecuted, afflicted, tormented, imprisoned, martyred, yet they did not turn away from God. They still honored him. They still walked with him. They still did what God asked them to do. It may not have been an easy road. It may not have been something comfortable or that they were willing in our physical sense to do. But because they trusted God and they listened to his voice, they were willing to even be martyred, of whom the world was not worthy. To be counted with that group of people in the heroes of faith, The world wasn't worthy of that dedication, you know, that steadfastness to walk with God no matter what. Men and women who received divine approval because of their obedience to God's strange requests. I look back over my life and there were times I had no idea. I don't understand, God, what's going on. I don't understand. But the Lord was always faithful. You've heard Mike and I both talk many times about the faithfulness of God, how he he supplied needs and he healed bodies and he restored. And God has been faithful to us. And as a church body, God has been faithful to us. If I am faithful, he'll lead and guide me. So how about you? Has God ever asked you to do something out of the ordinary? And you wondered, what is going on, Lord? He may not ask you and me to do some of the things he asks these guys in the Bible, but maybe he will. Maybe, like Noah, he'll ask you to stand alone on his behalf, preach his word when nobody else seems to be paying attention, maybe face some ridicule, 
You may suffer disappointments like Sarah. Um, You may be asked to surrender something that's really important to you, like Abraham, or do something that you think is impossible. I can't. But God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And often, he has strange requests that bring his plan to completion if we're obedient. The important thing is that we don't let the world or our shortcomings or our inhibitions or our, the things that we're afraid of keep us from responding in faith. We need to walk in the Spirit and listen for his voice to direct us each day. We've got to hear his voice. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, For by it, the elders obtained a good report. The Amplified says that faith is the assurance or the confirmation of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gain divine approval this kind of faith. Walking, we can't see it. I don't know what you're doing, Lord. I can't see how this is going to work out. I don't know where I'm going. Whatever the situation, God, I don't, whatever situation you're walking in, I can't see it with my physical senses, but I have faith that you are working it out on my behalf, or I am going to be successful on his behalf whatever he's asked me to do. Strange requests from him require walking with faith. And um, in, in Hebrews eleven six, Mike talk, Mike quoted this on Sunday. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Is it difficult to please him? Or no, it's not difficult. It's impossible. If you don't have faith... You can't please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if you take that that first part of that scripture around, without faith, it's impossible to please him. What is that in the positive? With faith, it is possible to please God. We need faith in him. We need to walk like, I don't know what's happening. I can't see it, Lord, but I trust your plan. I trust your will. I trust you're going to work it out. I'm going to align myself with your spirit and with your word. I'm going to seek direction and whatever it is you want me to do, wherever it is you're taking me or taking me through, God, I trust you and I'm going to make those steps in faith. Diligently seek. Mike said Sunday, we're going to pursue after God. It's a pursuit. It's not a, it's not a uh, you know, I'm just going to stand here and maybe he'll come to me. She will, because he's fully capable of that. But he desires us to seek him and to pursue after him with our whole heart. Jeremiah says that we should seek him with our whole heart. And when we do, we will find him and we'll find direction. I um, hope that tonight you have learned a little bit about faith and how to obey, what it takes to, to have faith and to follow God's plan. And it's obedience. 
obedience is the key, I believe. Um, If we would all stand. Um, I'm going to turn this back to Brother Ryan. (laughs) Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. And I'll go with him, with him, all the way. One more time. Oh, where he lead. Wait a minute. Why don't you hit a key for us, Sister Andrew? <laughs> I've learned my lesson when I hear, there's an old song, Sister Andrea. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go. follow the Lord. Amen. Anybody enjoy that from Sister Becky tonight? Amen. She was talking about some strange requests, and those strange requests came from God. She mentioned early on, though, sometimes uh, we think we've got the situation all figured out, and uh, I've got this situation, and I just think, well, if the Lord just does A, B, C, and D, then everything will will turn out exactly the best way that it should. And God's looking at me thinking, that's a strange request right there. My requests aren't strange. My requests are the best. If you want what's best, you've got to follow after the Lord. Sister Becky said the key is we've got to be sensitive to his voice. We've got to recognize and know his voice. Maybe you've never heard his audible voice. There's a few people in here, I know at least one I'm looking at, that has heard his audible voice. I've not. But God speaks to me when I'm reading his word more than at any other time. And I recognize, I learn to recognize when he's calling my attention to something. And I go, aha, okay, the Lord's speaking to me here. I need to pay attention to this. And I have to follow the leading then of his spirit. And Another important thing, of course, is that I've got to focus my mind upon the Lord. The Bible says that will give him perfect peace. You think Noah didn't have his mind on the Lord? You think, uh, you know, one strange request you didn't mention was, was Elijah and dumping, dumping uh, buckets of water on the altar before the sacrifice uh, was laid and the fire came down and the prophets of Baal uh, were embarrassed, humiliated destroyed but thou will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee that means I need to recognize his voice I need to listen to and obey his voice and I need to keep my mind upon the Lord because when he has spoken if I could just read one last scripture the Bible gives us some instruction trust in the Lord with all thine heart 
the Bible says in Proverbs 3, and lean not to thine own understanding, Gideon, Sarah, Moses. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall uh, direct thy paths. Do you want to trust the Lord today? Let's just pray one time. Lord, thank you for this uh, word. Thank you for these things that Sister Poole's called our attention to today. I pray that you help every one of us, Lord, every person under the sound of my voice tonight. Help us, Lord, to recognize your voice, to be in tune with your voice, to be in tune with the leading of your spirit, Lord, as never before, Lord God. And, and help us, Lord, not to be fearful, Lord, when we are spoken to by you. Help us not to be fearful, but to keep our minds focused upon you, Lord. And help us, God, just simply to trust in you and to follow where you're leading us. Oh, God, for we want the best, God. I want the best for me. I want the best for every one of your saints that are here in this house tonight, Lord God. And you know what's best. Help us, Lord, tonight. Lord, bring us back again the next appointed time safely. We pray for our pastor, Lord God. Again, keep him safe, Lord, as he travels back that he might be with us uh, this coming Sunday. Somebody said, in Jesus' name, and we will see you for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m.